Nation, there's so many reasons out there to start taking notes on the Rocketbook. I'll list a few. One, it's a reusable notebook. When you've finished with your notes and you've scanned them into their app, you can simply just moisten the page and then wipe off with a microfiber and you can reuse that page over and over again. The best feature about the Rocketbook is you can search your notes. You will never lose a note again, which means you don't have to go back and do the valuable work you've already done because you can't find it. It is absolutely one of my favorite tools. Go to our affiliate link, scalinguph2o.com forward slash Rocketbook to take 15% off your first order of $20 or more and never lose a note again. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, your host for the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And Nation, it is just delightful for me to see all of the people that are getting more courage to sign up to take their certified water technologist examination. Now, we've done multiple shows about the Certified Water Technologist exam and why it's important to get that designation. And there are so many people out there that I truly believe can pass that examination, but for some reason just need a little bit extra courage to get it scheduled. And that is why I created the CWT practice exam course. I wanted people to realize that they probably knew a lot more than what they thought. And they now have a little bit more courage because they've gone through a 100 question practice exam. And not only have they answered it, but they have taken a course where I go through each and every one of those questions and I break down those questions. I teach you how to process each one of those questions through the knowledge that you have and figure out if you don't know the answer, how do you figure out things that are not the answer? And you know that for sure. So maybe now you have a better opportunity for answering something that you don't have the knowledge with. Also, I teach you techniques so you do not pick up things that kind of change your mind about what you are thinking. So I teach you how to read those questions. I know everybody out there knows how to read but there is so much that we can learn from taking standardized exams and how the brain responds to all the pressure that we put ourselves under when we are in front of whatever examination that we are testing. So knowing those things up front, we can then do things to combat those things. And I try to teach you all of those tips, all of those techniques so you can now use your knowledge to get the best grade possible on the Certified Water Technologist exam. 
Now, a lot of people will ask me, Trace, did you answer questions that are on the CWT? And the answer is no. I have no way of doing that because I have no idea what the questions are that are going to be on your particular CWT exam. The last time I heard, there were about 5,000 questions in a bank, and there is a software program that the testing company uses to make each examination unique for every person that takes it. And they do that by selecting so many questions from this bank, and this bank contains so many categories, and they create so many questions from each category. So you will have a unique test Every time you take it, if you decide you want to take it 10 times, it's going to be a unique test 10 times. I don't know why you would want to do that, but if you wanted to do it, you can uh, prove that it will be a unique test. So what this practice exam course does is built to give you confidence and to give you tips on making sure you're working within your brain and you're calming yourself down and uh, you just get to learn some things with me. And I tried to do it in a very fun way. And the great thing is, is I have received tremendous feedback from people that have taken the exam and said that the tips really work and how to focus. And folks, above all else, if you uh, are taking the practice exam course, you're going to hear me say, use your supplemental information. And there are so many people that now have thanked me because uh, they knew where to look for their supplemental information. So, so many tips on there and we're getting great feedback. And that's actually the premise of this interview today. Somebody contacted me and said that they had a really good experience with the CWT practice exam course, and he wanted to come talk to us about it. So here is that experience, and here's the interview. My lab partner today is Justin Reyes of EAI Water. Welcome, Justin. Hi, Trace. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, I always enjoy hanging out with the EAI folks. You guys are a good group of people. Love to hear that. And it's mutual. Well, cool. And I know you guys are listening to the podcast and even having some questions and talking with each other about things that you hear on the podcast. I love to hear when companies do that. Yeah. You know what? That's a that's a great point. We actually used your first several episodes, especially the pinks and blues ones, as technical training for our team. So we would assign podcast, you know, 34, let's say, don't quote me on that. And then we would listen to it. And that following Friday or about a week later, we would get together and talk about it and answer questions. And um, so it's been great and we're enjoying it. I love that. And we've got way more pinks and blues on the schedule. So I know everybody everybody loves those. Uh, they take such a tremendous time to write because I got I to gotta make sure that all my information is correct because believe me, when it's not, people let me know. <laughs> I believe you. Justin, uh, let the Scaled Up Nation know a little bit about Justin, if you don't mind. Yeah, sounds good. I am a de degreed mechanical engineer. Uh, I graduated out Cal Poly Pomona in Southern California. About halfway through getting my degree, I took an internship, a technical internship with Nalco. 
And um, my current business partner now was the one who interviewed me, Chris Belizzi. I think the summer before that, I had an internship at Goodrich Aerostructures, and it was more on the design side. And while I appreciated doing that, I, I thought I wanted to be more on the people side. So I took a technical sales internship with Nalco with about two years left, enjoyed it. And when I graduated, I stayed with uh, Nalco for about eight years uh, in Southern California in, in the institutional marketplace in water treatment. Went through all their training and it was great, had a really good experience. About 2010, 2011, EAI, or at that time was Economic Alternatives, their two owners were looking to either sell or retire. And that time I left Nalco and, and joined up with Chris Belizzi and we started phase two of then Economic Alternatives and what has now turned into EAI Water in uh, Southern California and California. So here I am 21 years later in college, I didn't even know what water treatment was and here I am. I'm sure a lot of people have a similar experience. You know, it's funny to hear how everybody gets involved in this industry. Unless your parents are involved in it, you almost fall into it. Absolutely. What else do you do besides water treatment? What are, what are some hobbies you have? I'm a husband and a father, and that's probably where I spend most of my time outside of work. And my kid, my children's activities are, I think, my, I know my biggest hobby. So my son's 17 years old. He's a junior in high school now, and, I, and I, he's, he's still playing baseball. And I coached him in baseball in Little League and from the time he was five to about 12, where coach, his coaching and his skill set became above my pay grade. So I enjoy watching him play baseball now. And then my daughter, she is 10, um, and I'm coaching her in flag football, which is an up-and-coming sport for, for girls' sports. And then I do adventure guides with her, which is um, through the YMCA, a, a monthly camping group for fathers and daughters, which I'm, her and I are leading and very much involved with. So my kids' activities and hobbies is my number one hobby. So when you're at work, what would you say your typical day-to-day -day is like? Yeah, so I'm a regional manager in California, mostly Southern California for EAI Water, and I still have a few clients left that I consult to, but my my biggest role is supporting about eight of our field team members uh, in our core water treatment group. So supporting their development, helping them with client scenarios, helping them through their own individual journeys in this industry, and then I'm a member of our leadership team. So helping our company tackle the challenges that come about and, and where we are on the West Coast and then how we move forward and how we grow into different industries and become diverse. And those are the three big things. And I really enjoy it. Recently, your team started using the entrepreneurial operating system. What's your take on that? Yeah. So we started that, I think, about nine months ago. And we have a coach and it's our leadership team. So it's six of us. And I love it. it. It gives us a weekly cadence with a, about a 90-minute format. We have a really good coach. So we meet once a quarter in person with our coach, and then we talk weekly as a leadership team. And through it, we've helped develop our core values for our company. We've tackled some real challenges that, are, that have, have come in the past and will continue to come up. So I'm really enjoying it. We've had several people on the EOS platform talk to us uh, during this podcast, and EOS is something that we've been doing for seven, eight years at our company, and it has nothing to do with water treatment at all. 
but you insert your company onto that platform and now everybody is rowing in the same direction. Everybody knows what the expectations are and it has changed everything uh, within what we do. I agree. And I'll tell you on the EOS group with our leadership team, but I also started a small group with our account managers in Southern California and explain the terminology and, and the setup with them. And what you just said is really true because I saw that in them and they're excited about it and they come prepared and we talk about it. And I think, especially in our field, for the field guys, sometimes you feel like you're on an island, right? So with, with our account managers in Southern California, now we get together once a week and we have a formal meeting that, like I said, is about 90 minutes. And I think it's it's really good for us. So. Yeah, for those of you that are listening in and have no idea what we're talking about, I've done several episodes on EOS. Uh, the one that comes to mind is one of the first ones I did with Mark Winter, who wrote uh, Rocket Fuel. Uh, and that was an early one. That was episode 38. I know I probably have done half a dozen other ones with EOS folks, but uh, that's the only one that's coming to mind. So that'll at least get people in the know of what we're talking about there. But again, one of the better things I think I have ever done with our company. Love it. So you are very familiar with water treatment and you thought, hey, what could I do next? And there was a particular certification out there that you decided that you wanted to go after. Of course, we're talking about the certified water technologist designation. So I'm kind of curious, what made you want to get that? And then uh, we'll talk about what the process is that you're going through right now to get it. Actually, those three letters behind your name. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when I first joined EAI in 2011, coming from a larger corporation, like I said, I didn't know too much about AWT. But one of the first things we did in that first six months or so is we joined AWT as a company. So then it was about then I learned about uh, the CWT. And it, so it was, on, it was in the back of my mind, but nothing that I necessarily uh, was jumping at at the time. Um, but then a few years in, we started seeing um, CW re- requirements on bids. And quite frankly, we didn't have a person in our organization that had that. So Chris Belizzi and Brian Irwin from our team actually both did it within the last five years or so. And I knew it was something I wanted to do for myself as part of our company. I think it's really cool. And I think it's a great designation. And so that kind of motivated me to do it. The one thing I struggled with a, a couple of years back when when I knew I wanted to try and get it, was there's no like organized training and no formal process of preparing to do it. There's a lot of great materials, especially on AWT, that you can self-pace and prepare for the exam, but nothing formal. So when you decided to go get it, what did you then do? What was your first step? What was the second step? And what step are you on now? Yeah, good question. So it was the beginning of 2022, so just over a year ago, there was a group of our team members, about four of us that I was leading, and we decided to start to prepare as a group to take the CWT exam. And we started to pull together materials and have a, a, a call every week or two. And it was going okay. We were all diff- on different places in our with our experience, like technical expertise, and we didn't really see it through for, for a couple of different reasons. But at Right about that time, as we were doing that, I, I had heard through a mastermind group from Michael and Chris Belizzi 
that you guys had launched the CWT exam prep course. So I was immediately drawn to that because, like I said, there was no organized thing. I was trying to do it with a small group, um, and I didn't do it so great. <laughs> so when I, when I saw that come out, uh, I jumped on it. And it was funny because you guys, it was like your preliminary launch. Sure, yeah. I think I signed up for it and paid for it. And then it was just like, I was like in, in a virtual line, almost like waiting for a concert, waiting for concert tickets. Right. So I knew I had that course coming. Our small group had kind of disbanded for a couple of different reasons. So I was just studying on my own. I registered for the exam, paid the fees. And I, and I did like how you have a full year. So when you register for the exam, you pay for it. And then you have one year. So to schedule the exam with Pearson View system. And I liked that because it didn't feel immediate, but there was still like a due date. And so I knew I had your exam prep course coming and I studied my own. And then probably October or so, Q4, let's call it, I got a link from one of your team members um, that it was ready. So I, I jumped on and kind of mapped it. And I scheduled my test and I mapped it out where I thought the prep course would land right before I took the exam. So really enjoyed the course took the exam in the sterile environment of a testing center, which is its own <laughs> podcast subject. Walked out, it was a very challenging exam. Walked out, I felt like it was a coin flip and got the, got the paper that said I had passed. And well, it was, a, it was a great feeling. It was a really, really cool feeling. So I had passed the exam, caught my breath, sat down for a few minutes. And then now I'm going through the certification process, which asks for four referrals, one of which is a current CWT. And then um, the other three I took as clients. So I've gotten three of my four referrals uh, submitted. They basically fill out a, a questionnaire just confirming I am who I say I am. And then they send it into AWT on their own without me seeing it, which I think is a good thing. So I sent three, one more to go, and then um, I think my package will be reviewed by a current CWT. And hopefully next time uh, we talk, I'll have my CWT number. Yeah, that'll be great. And then you've got to make sure you get your continuing education units. There are so many people that forget to do that. And then they have to do the same process you just described over again. Yes, I would prefer not to take that exam again. So those, uh, those will be on my calendar. <laughs> and the best time to start is as soon as you get that number, because uh, trying to make up, it's not 25 hours, it's 25 units. So uh, that could take you a lot more than 25 hours. So trying to cram to do that, sometimes that's not possible. So great, great advice I've heard from people that have done that. Well, you gave us a lot to unpack. So uh, one, I wanted to explain a little bit to you, because I don't know if I ever did, we came out with the original course early last year, and truth be told, I have been one of the uh, AWT trainers for well over a decade, and I can't tell you how many times people have taken uh, uh, the mock exam that's been circulating around and said, Trace, help me with this question. And I've just done it for so many times for so many people. I just thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this so everybody has access to it. And AWT said that, uh, well, hey, that's our exam. You really can't do that. And honestly, I wasn't even thinking about that. So that's why we had to put the brakes on the first one. So the course that you actually took, we actually rewrote uh, our own 
mock exam. And that's what you went through. And I, of course, don't know what questions you're going to get on the exam. I, I've heard the pool of questions is over 5,000. And of course, there's so many in each category. So when you go to that Pearson View Testing Center, you're going to get a randomly generated unique test that only you are taking. There could be five people in that room taking the CWT. They're all going to be unique tests because uh, that's what that program does. So when I got together with my team, we talked about how do we make sure we're getting a good sampling of all the different areas? Because after all, we don't know what questions you're going to get, but we know generally what type of questions. So that's what we tried to put together with that 100-question practice exam. And uh, it sounds like through talking with you and some other people, it gave you some good general knowledge that you weren't surprised when you actually got the real questions. Absolutely, it did. Yeah. And I enjoyed the format of it because it kind of felt like this. It felt like you were talking to me or you were teaching in a class. And I enjoyed how it's first explained, like how the test works and how the questions are asked. And then your prep course actually gives the 100 questions, right? So not the full 200, but half of them because the 200 was on the, on the exam. So I went through and I answered those questions as part of the course. And then the close of the exam or the, the final portion is you going through each question like you, like you just described early. And then you kind of talk your way through it, which I think really helps people and students or people who are studying for this. And then you give resources too that you can download. So I enjoyed the course and I felt well prepared after taking it. I will tell you one of the things that we ask for is feedback from the students that take that class. And uh, through that feedback, we've actually added something new from where you took the course. And now we actually have a section after you take the exam or the practice exam initially, and then you see me teaching each one of the questions. Uh, Then you've got the resources for each one of the questions. Well, what we've added is at the very end, you take the exam again. And people wanted to know, hey, how do I do, how did I do after all of this? And, And what we found is people were going back to the beginning of the course and retaking the exam anyway. So we went ahead and added that feature on. And we're always looking for ways to improve that. Would that have helped you, that feature? It would have, yeah. And I actually specifically remember that I got a 70% the first time I took it. And that made me a little nervous because I think 75% is passing. Mm-hmm. But it would be, it would have been nice to have gone back and take it and to see if I could bump that up a little bit. So so we're always trying to improve. So with that feedback, we're, we're trying to put that back in the course. And we've also added a few little tweaks to some of the lessons that we've done so far. So always trying to keep it new and, and learn what, uh, what we didn't know when we first put it together. I love it. Yeah, continuous improvement. Uh, the one thing, I, I'm not sure how you would attack this in exam prep course, but I was surprised how little time I had. I thought three hours would be plenty of time. But I was within minutes of finishing that exam. So, and I know people are different test takers as far as timing, but the the time was a real challenge for me that I did not expect. Um, so, for what that's worth. So, you know, I've heard it from from so other people said that they have plenty of time. Other people said they they wish they had more time. Yeah. Um, but let me ask: When you actually finished, did you take the advice that I give, where you mark all the questions and then you go back? Once you actually looked at your marked questions, how much time did you have? 
Yeah, I did. Um, I used the marked questions and that was very helpful because it helps you prepare for the course. I don't recall how much time I had to go back at the marked questions, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the moment when I was halfway through. Is it three hours long? I think it's four. Is it four? Okay, so so let's call it four. So at the two-hour mark, halfway through on time, I had more than half qu- the questions left. So halfway through, I had 130 questions left or 120, and that's when I mini panicked inside my head in the sterile environment. <laughs> and th- that was the moment where I'm like, okay, I got to kick this up a notch. So it was more like time per question for me throughout throughout the exam was um, something I could have prepared for a little bit better, but that's a personal thing, like you said. Well, I will tell you, I had the opposite of that. I way over-prepared because I was really nervous that uh, I was going to have to face somebody that knew I was taking it. <laughs> And I was going to tell them, no, I didn't pass it. And uh, I went in there and I want to say I finished it about an hour and a half. And uh, it was back when it was still on Scantron. And I, I, I happened to glance as I walked up to turn in my paper and one guy was still on the first page and he wasn't finished with because it was a double-sided Scantron. I was like, oh my gosh, I have blown this <laughs> exam. And you had to wait like a month for them to score it at that time. And I was sure that I had failed it. In fact, I was picking dates out when I was going to take it again. And I was shocked when I got that letter because taking it so quickly, I I didn't think I had a shot. So I think However you take tests, you're not going to be comfortable with when you finish. Yeah, yeah, great point. And man, I cannot believe you had to wait a month. Uh, That would have been tough. (laughs) Well, it's tough now where you where you just hit the button and say you're finished, and you've got to walk up to the front and and they print out a paper. I've heard so many times that the proctors there will kind of play with people and say, "Well, how do you think you did?" Or or they'll say, "Well, I'm sorry, you didn't pass it." No, I'm just kidding. You did. So I guess that's how how they have fun. They did not do that to me, but I think if I was afternoon. I was like one of the last people in the testing center, and they I think they were ready to go home. So they handed me the paper and ushered me out. So <laughs> now the testing center you mentioned it was very sterile, and I think that is something that can be a little shocking to people. Yeah. So if we could, let's paint that picture for the scaling up nation. So when they go into one of these Pearson View centers, they're not shocked. They know what to expect. So. You show up on your first day there. What do you see? Yeah, I was shocked. So that's a good point. So I had my materials. I had a book and my notepad. And I had intended to walk in there and sit and kind of study. But when I walked in, it's almost like you're going to jury duty. It has that like <laughs> courtroom feel. <laughs> so she immediately um, says, "You here's your key or you check in with your license so I didn't have time to study. Um, she's like, there's your locker, put everything that's on you, like everything, no papers, no cell phone, no gum, no like, uh, toothpicks or dental floss. If you, you know, have oral fixation or whatever. Um, so I immediately took everything, put it in the locked cabinet. And so I'm there with nothing but this key. And then she ushers me in. So I would say the advice I would give is, is go uh, study in your car or study well before, show up with just your keys and maybe your cell phone and uh, be ready to rock and roll when you get into that courtroom environment, that sterile environment, because they're going to usher you through pretty quickly. 
So they had you put everything in the locker. They then uh, walked you into the area where all the computers were. And once you sat down, you were in front of your machine. What did you do then? So for me, I was fairly prepared. So I immediately took the one sheet. They give you a sheet of paper, like blank paper, with, I think it was an erasable um, dry erase marker and a small calculator and then your machine. So I immediately started writing things that were on the front of my brain, like that, um, you know, notes or things I had memorized or equations or just helpful notes that I had to get out of my head real quick. So that's the first thing I did. And then I got comfortable with the um, the program and I started going. I almost felt like I put in earplugs because the room is silent and all you hear is mouse clicks with a, with a bunch of people around you. So that is a strange environment because we're not usually in that kind of right. world. So... I think I put in earplugs or something. I did something just to help me navigate that that room. So, And one of the pieces of advice that I give, and I talk about it almost on every other video, is make sure you look at your reference material. So tell us about that. Yeah, so I, I dug into that after your exam prep course, and I, and I started going through that. It, it's, on the, it's on the computer in front of you. So you, you got the blank pad, but then... On your computer in the testing program, there's a tab with, it's almost like a book with multiple tabs of all the all the resource material. So I just went tab by tab, making sure I saw everything that was in there just to get the initial reference um, and all sorts of equations and basic information, charts and stuff you need is there. So I, I got familiar with that in a few minutes and then was happy with that and went on with the test taking. I've had several people come up to me and complain about a particular question that they had and said, how would I ever know information that's that obscure? And I will say to them, well, it sounds like they're just asking you to reference your reference material. And they normally almost always say, what reference material? Oh, gosh, yeah. I could see that. And when I, and when I did get to those questions, because there are some questions that you know, depending where you are in the country or what, how you are in this profession, there might be some things you've never seen before. So yeah, that, that's great. That's a great idea. Great advice. First thing you do is when you see one of those questions, bounce into the resource material, see if there's anything that could help you. And there are a few opportunities to get quote unquote, easy answers from, from the reference material. So. Did you have the opportunity to use the facilities while you were taking the test? I did. And it's funny you say that because remember, I, I thought I had more time. So I took a bathroom break. I took my time taking a bathroom break using the facilities, took a deep, couple deep breaths, walked back in. And it was after that when I had that moment halfway through where I had more than halfway of the questions done. So uh, you do get that opportunity. They sign you in and sign you out like with your handprint, I think, handprint or fingerprint. So it's very regimented. But yeah, you can you can do that if you choose. So I would just say for us slow test takers, be careful. And that time keeps ticking, even though you're not in front of your machine. And they warn you of that. Yeah, they say you're welcome to use the bath, the restroom, or yeah, do whatever you need to do. Um, but the clock does not stop. Great point. I've had so many people come up to me and say one of the reasons they don't take the exam is because they can't hold their bladder for four hours. So it's good that you have confirmed you can use the bathroom during the exam. I am one of them, and it is confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) So 
I truly believe there are so many people listening today that could go and sit for the CWT exam and pass it, but they don't sign up because they lack confidence. So you've gone through the process. What are some things that you can say that could give them some more confidence so they can sign up and take this thing? It's a great point. And what you said earlier really resonated with me. I didn't want to not pass and then talk with somebody about it. So I would say a few things. I would say um, talk with your manager or talk with your peers or talk with someone within your company. Maybe there's someone who is interested too. Um, so, I, so I would lean on the people in your at your company or in your circles. Talk with them about it. Ideally, companies are funding this, funding the preparation, funding the exam. So hopefully that's an easy check. But I would talk with people about it and I would use the AWT materials to study and just kind of get a feel for what you think about the technical materials, uh, the CWT prep stuff. And then I would get the confidence just to do it. So I think my advice would be sign up for it, just do it. Like I said, hopefully your company will pay for it. And then it, you at least have a starting point. Then you at least have a starting point and it's a year out, but you're committed to it. And then I would start um, to prepare with people. And I think what I would tell our team members in talking through it, I think the ideal scenario is is a few things. I think number one is having the confidence and the courage just to sign up for it and do it. And then I think you kind of study on your own, but I, I think there's two important things that we're going to have our team members do. First is we're going to have them attend the technical training from AWT in that one-year window as they're preparing for um, the CWT exam. And then the second is I, I would do the scaling up CWT exam prep. Not because I'm on here and I'm plugging it, but I really enjoyed it. And I think those two levers are are really good tools to prep for the exam. And then just be prepared for it and, and do the best you can. And there you go. Yeah, it's great advice. I do want to go back on the comment that I made because uh, I feel differently now than I did when I took the exam, but that's how I felt when I took the exam. So that was back in 2003, and I was worried that I wasn't going to pass it, and I was worried about what other people were going to think more than what the actual process I was going through. Now, this is how I coach people, and I realize that that feeling is real because I've had it myself. But anybody that's taken the exam, they know that this is a bear of an examination. Uh, you don't know what's going to be on it because there's a bank of questions. And I don't know if you can truly study for it and become an expert at the exam because it tests your knowledge throughout a five-year water treatment career. And it assumes that you're doing everything within core water treatment in order to achieve what they want you to achieve within that five years. So a lot of stuff's going on there. It's okay to be nervous. How, how couldn't you be nervous with that? Absolutely. But if you take it and you don't pass it, that is also a win because now you have gained so much more experience. And I think if people could uh, shift from where I was back in 2023, and I was so nervous that I wasn't going to pass it, but if I could go back and talk to my former self, so I can borrow one of my questions that I ask all my guests, if I were to ask that for myself on this, I would have told myself, Trace, even if you don't pass it, it's a win because you're getting the experience. 
You're going to get direct feedback on how you did on the examination. And now you're going to have a more laser-focused study approach to when you retake it. And now, by the way, when you retake it, you're not going to be nervous about the testing center. You're going to know how the program works. You're familiar with the reference material. You know about the biometrics to check out and and go to the bathroom. You know to leave all your notes in the car because they're not going to let you bring those in. And most people, if they don't pass it the first time, they almost always pass it the second time because of that. Yeah, I love that. That's a great, that's a great point. And to further that as a company, and, and our CEO said this, because we've had team members who are in that boat. And as a company, we're like, that's okay. You know what? We're we're happy you took it. You you took the first step. And guess what? We'll pay for that exam indefinitely until you pass it, because we know you will. Anything else you can remember about the process you think will be helpful to our listeners? So for the listeners that are going to take it and that have technical degrees, um, I think the math portion comes easier to those folks. So if the math part and the equations isn't your strength, I think that's okay. But I think I would prepare for that and just really understand like unit conversions. A key point to that would be to go to the AWT technical training. So that would probably be my, my biggest one is the the equations come easy for some, but for others, um, just prepare because there's quite a few math questions on the exam. When I was writing our practice exam, uh, the math questions were one of the easiest ones to write because in order to find wrong answers, I just did the common mistakes that people would make. And normally that was unit conversions. Absolutely. And, and the exam does trick you a little bit because... If you make one misstep, like the right answer is there, but something that could be the right answer on one little tweak is right next to it. So for me, if I'm going fast and I see an answer Y, but the real answer is X and I, I, Y was in part of my equation, I, I could easily, my mind could easily, oh, Y is the answer instead of taking my time and double checking or working through it where X is the right answer, if that makes sense. During the practice exam course, one of the techniques that I teach is teaching people how to reach each answer and making sure that they're applying that to the actual question because they've only asked you so much. Don't add anything to the question. So I spend a lot of time during the course teaching you how to read the question, but then also how to answer it with each one of the possible answers. Was that helpful? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Understanding how to go about each question in preparation is very helpful. So it was. So with that, what's next? So for me, as far as the CWT or just in life in general? In life in general. (laughs) So you've gotten your CWT, of course, you're, you're waiting for your letters of recommendation to go through. Then the committee will prove that and you'll get your number and you'll be able to have those three letters behind your name. What are you going to do then? Yeah, so I'm I'm excited about having that on my email signature and my business card, so that'll be nice. And then as far as our team's concerned in the field, I think I'll just be prepared to help them, usher them through this process. I know we have a couple of guys who are preparing for it and probably a few more after that. So I look forward to helping our team members get their CWTs. As far as EAI Water as a company, we're growing, growing through acquisition, we're growing into new markets. Um, both in water and air. So our company's in a real fun uh, growth period 
where our company started as just water treatment in Southern California. And now we're growing outside of that geography and it's an exciting time for our company. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. Do you have a requirement or a guide for when people on your team should get their certified water technologist designation? Nothing formal. Um, That's a good question. We don't. I think people are on their own journey and we have we have some people who are just on a countdown. So once they get to five years, uh, they're doing it. We have other team members who think it's kind of cool, but it's not their thing. And that's okay too. So we have we have a mixed group. I think definitely the five-year mark is helpful. And then what we do, and I think you talked about this in a prior episode, uh, maybe with Chris Golden from Taylor. We believe in, in the compensation part too. So we encourage people who want to do it to take, have the confidence to take the exam. And then we give them or we'll give them a, a bonus for passing and achieving and becoming a CB, CWT. And then certainly a merit increase or a pay raise once they achieve it as well. So we're putting our, as a company, we're putting our money where our mouth is and um, not only encouraging people to, to do it, and then, but then rewarding them as well. I love hearing that more and more companies are doing that. That is putting your money where your mouth is and it's ultimately benefiting your company. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt. The episode you mentioned was episode 297, and that's where I interviewed Chris Golden uh, all about the CWT, and he is the chairman of that committee. So the entire process that we've been talking about today, Chris is in charge of making sure that that's being handled as it should. Justin, anything else you can think of that you can let the Scaling Up Nation know about the process? I like the confidence part. Just have the confidence to at least start talking about it. Maybe that's step 1A and then 1B is registered for. So talk with people about it. I think it's it's a good thing and um, it's something that benefits not only the individual, but the company and our industry in general. So, Well, thank you for being committed enough to the industry to spend a lifetime in it and to get your certified water technologist designation and then taking that information and sharing that with us today. Uh, But we're not quite done yet. I'm going to shift gears slightly, and we're going to go to the lightning round questions. So these are the same questions I ask of all of my guests, and we kind of get to know you a little bit better through those questions. So my first question is, if you had the ability to go back in time and speak with your former self on your very first day as a water treater, what advice would you give yourself? Okay. So talking to myself here. So I would probably tell myself that this you don't know it, but this is a really great industry to be in. And with this industry, you're going to survive some recessions and some other really tough financial things. And your career is not going to be, it's going to be minimally impacted. So it's a really strong, good career that's really flexible and really fun. And probably the biggest thing I would tell myself is it's way more technical than you think it is in the beginning. Um, Especially when I was working for the big corporation previously, their sales training and their like front, their leading skills. So people skills are really good. But it wasn't until I got into the AWT world where I realized how technical it was. So I would probably tell myself, you're a degree mechanical engineer and you're going to need it because this is a sneaky technical field. What are the last three books that you've read? The last three books. So I do listen to a lot more podcasts and that kind of thing on the road. But the specific books I read was The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. That was part of the EOS uh, training, and I, I really enjoyed 
that book. It's a it's an easy read. It's it's a fable, but it's about a a corporation that's kind of shifting gear. So five dysfunction dysfunctions of a team, and then the Jack Reacher books. The Jack Reacher books I've read probably twelve of them, and I think I just read the hard way. So fiction action hero books is uh, right up my alley. Did you see the Amazon? Was it net Netflix or Amazon that did the? It was. Series. Don't yeah. It was, it was one it was, of it them. Might have been Prime. It might have been Prime Video. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> There's so many of them. How did you think that that character lived up to the character in the Jack Reacher books? I think they did a pretty good job because he's a larger than life character, and that actor is a, a really big dude. So I think they did a good job, and I think they did a better job than the movies did. So kudos to them. I totally agree with that. I could not agree with that more. Uh, I like Tom Cruise, but not for that character. Yeah, exactly. All right. What? So we're talking about movies. So let's uh, let's go on to that. When they make a movie about you, who do you want playing Justin? Yes, and they're certainly going to make a movie, right? Um, Without a doubt. I think it. I think it would have to be Matt Damon, like circa Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Because that movie was. I was in high school and. That was just such a good movie, and I really thought that character was cool, and it made me it, it made me kind of proud of being a kid who was into physics and math and stuff in high school. And, and I think he's a very good actor, so Matt Damon for sure. Final question: uh, You now have the ability to speak with anybody throughout history. Who would it be with, and why? Um, I thought about this one just a couple of hours ago because I thought you might ask it, and um, I think for me it'd be William Wallace. Hmm. And sticking to that movie, that that the movie Braveheart, I, I I had never been so moved when I first saw that movie, and his character is true, and you know they embellish a little bit, but man, that would be cool to hear or to talk with him about the revenge and what they went through and how he turned it around for Scotland. So I think that'd be my answer. It's a great answer. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on the Scaling Up H2O podcast, and I have no doubt that people really know what to expect now when they're getting their certified water technologist designation. So thank you for that. Yeah, I hope so. And it's been my pleasure. So thank you, Trace. Justin, once again, thanks for sharing with me on social media that this uh, practice exam course was a tool that really helped you. And of course, you sharing all the information with myself and my team, we're able to make it better. And we're doing that all the time. We're learning how we can say things better. What are some different tools that we can use? What are the experiences that people are having? So the course is constantly evolving. Now, maybe this is something that you are thinking about doing. Maybe you want to get your certified water technologist designation and you just haven't. You need a little extra nudge. Well, I've got a nudge for you. You can take the first few chapters of the certified water technologist practice exam course for free And what this is, this is a free course that uh, the team and I put together that goes through the informational booklet that you will get when you want to learn more about the CWT and how to become certified. So I just go straight through that booklet with you so I can answer all of the questions that you have. And they actually have a mock exam within that booklet 
So you can get a little taste of what we do with the 100-question course, where I answer those 10 questions and I give you the feedback of how my brain is thinking about that. So you can get a little bit of flavor of what we're going to do in the larger course. It's my hope that you see value within that free course and you decide to sign up for the Certified Water Technologist Practice Exam course. And if you're wondering how to do that, you can go over to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. Once again, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. And you will see not only the two courses that we mentioned, but all of the different courses that we have up there on the Scaling Up H2O Academy. It is our goal to take all of the things that our listeners have said that they want to learn more about and create courses around that so you can become the best water treater that you can be because we're going to make it easy for you to start at a particular place your learning journey. Eventually, we're going to have an entire platform that you can use to help train your people, to help make Maybe update some of your people if you haven't done work on a particular piece of equipment in a while. So here's my ask of you. We are building, right now I think we have 133 potential courses that our team is currently working on. But let us know through your feedback, what do you want to see up on Scaling Up H2O Academy? And we will try to get that on the Academy website for you. So it'll make it easier to train new team members, to make it easier to make sure your entire team is staying up to date, and it will make it easier for your team to continue to learn to become the best water treater that they can. You can do that by going to scalinguph2o.com and going over to our show ideas page and just let us know what you're thinking. That feedback is invaluable as we are trying to plan what the next course is that we are going to add on the Scaling Up H2O Academy platform. Nation, everybody's favorite week, Industrial Water Week, is right around the corner. It is going to take place October 2nd through 6th, and we are going to celebrate a couple of ways. As always, We are going to have a brand new episode for you each and every day of Industrial Water Week. So we are going to celebrate pre-treatment on Monday, boilers on Tuesday, cooling on Wednesday, wastewater on Thursday, and then careers in this fine industry on Friday. So join us for a brand new episode each and every day that week. But that's not the only way that we're celebrating because the Association of Water Technologies Conference also takes place right during the middle of Industrial Water Week. So hopefully you will have your costume on for Industrial Water Week and all. I don't even, we don't have costumes yet. So anyway. I would love somebody to invent a costume to wear to the Association of Water Technologies for Industrial Water Week, and I promise I will showcase you on this podcast because I think that's the next level of us celebrating Industrial 
Water Week. I will tell you a great way to celebrate Industrial Water Week is for you to catch up if you have not heard all the different installments of Periodic Water Table with James. This is where our friend James McDonald helps us each and every week with learning more about the chemistries that we are working with. So here is a brand new installment of Periodic Water Table with James. Hello and welcome to the Periodic Water Table with James, where we think and learn about water chemistry drop by drop. Please use your week to search online, ask your colleagues, or even pick up a book to learn more about each week's periodic water table topic. If you do, at the end of the year, you'll be 52 water chemistry smarter. So let's raise the water table of knowledge together and get started. Today's topic is... Borate. Today's topic is a little basic, but what is borate? What is it used for? What's its chemical formula? Is there only one? How are borate and borax related? In what products is borate used? What are typical dosages for borate? How do you measure the level of borate in a system? What are the common pH levels maintained when using borate? What could a high level of borate but a low level of nitrite indicate in a closed loop system? Remember, knowledge is power, and taking the time to learn more about water chemistry each week will help make you a force to be reckoned with. Be sure to post what you learn to social media and tag it with hashtag watertable23 and hashtag scalinguph2o. I look forward to learning more from you. Nation, we've already mentioned a few things that are coming up on your water treatment calendar, but here are a few other things that you might want to add. The Smart Water Summit is taking place September 10th through 12th in Scottsdale, Arizona. So this is about water utilities and industry concerns all around technology and extreme climate events and political hurdles. So if this sounds like something that you want to attend, we're going to have all that information on our events page by going to scalinguph2o.com. The Water Quality Association is hosting Aquatech Amsterdam taking place November 6th through 9th in Amsterdam. So folks, if you want to go to Amsterdam or if you are in Amsterdam, by all means, check that show out. That is definitely one that gets a lot of talk around processed drinking and wastewater. And then finally, the WaterSmart Innovations Conference taking place in Las Vegas, Nevada, October 3rd through 5th hosted by the American Water Works Association. So this is all around efficient water products and alternative water supplies. So with that information, please go to our show notes page. Once again, that's scalinguph2o.com and go over to our events page. Nation, if you ever miss one of our events, don't worry about it. We are trying to create a one-stop shop for you to go to learn about every single event that we know about on one place, scalinguph2o.com. 
So if you know about something that we don't know about, don't keep that to yourself. Let us know what the conference is, and we will add that to our events page. Now, you will find there are a lot of events up there that I do not mention on this podcast because there's just so many of them. So if you have not been to scalinguph2o.com forward slash events, it will be well worth the journey. Folks, if you're looking for anything more about anything that we talked about here today with Scaling Up H2O Academy, we're going to have that information for you on the show notes page. But if you're looking specifically for the CWT practice exam course, you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. Nation, it is a pleasure to bring this podcast to you each and every week, and I will have a brand new episode for you next Friday. Until the meantime, have a great week, folks. 